0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome. We're really glad that you guys are, are here uh, to worship with us uh, this morning. We are actually launching a new series uh, called My Life in Focus. And in this series, we're going to be talking about the importance of a vision uh, for your life. And as I was thinking through this series and preparing for it myself, I realized like in my head, a lot of times vision is related to like big speeches and things like graduations where you 're kind of ending a chapter and then you 're going to begin a new one and the goal of like a graduation is not only to kind of say congratulations on this huge achievement but as you move from college to the workplace or from high school to college or from kind of the different arenas of life, uh, it really is this way of saying you, you need to have like vision, not only congratulations but know where you 're headed know what you want to make of your life. Know what it is that that's important. And what I realized for myself is like a lot of times when I talk about vision or I think about vision, there's kind of these these walls that go up in myself where it feels very uh, nebulous or kind of like a, a fuzzy idea out there about something that you're supposed to attain to or something that you're supposed to do. And so you may be opposite of that and you think vision, you kind of have a clear sense of The vision you have for your life and what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to go about it. And you've kind of got that in every area. Or you you may be like me and you're just kind of like, well, I like the idea of it and I like the word and it kind of inspires me. But you may not exactly be sure of what what that actually translates to in in your life. And so in this series, we're actually going to kind of be no matter where you are, whether it's clear or not vision for your own life, we're going to kind of take this this approach of how Does following uh, the Lord Jesus, how does following him actually give us the most clear vision we could ever hope for, we could ever ask for, or we could ever experience? And if you're a Christ follower, there's a part of you in which that's part of your experience with following Christ. You've entered into a relationship with him and you may be here today and you've got more clarity than, than you've ever had. And you found that over time as you've gotten to know him. Or you could be investigating Christianity or you could have even been a Christian a long time and you're still not exactly sure how following Christ is supposed to be translated or how it's supposed to look in maybe your finances or in your family life or in your decisions or in how you respond to things that that go bad. And so no matter where you are, we kind of want to take a look and say, well, how do we actually unpack this word, which we throw around a lot in our culture, this idea of vision, And how do we actually dig into the scriptures to find out the direction that it can actually give us more than just an idea, but how can it actually help us? And so there's a a definition that we're going to be working from in this series, which is helpful. This is from Andy Stanley, who's a a pastor uh, in America and he's an author. But this is what he said about vision. Vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the convictions that it should be. So not only is it a clear picture of something that you want to see happen, a lot of times we translate vision for our own life. It's personal. I have a vision for my life that by the time I turn blank age, I want to see this happen. That might be a certain amount of success. That might be a certain uh, amount of relationships. It might be you living in a certain place and it's different for all of us, but it's a clear mental picture. But real vision is not just a clear mental picture. It's also The conviction that that is how it is supposed to be. That vision, that picture is something worth working for. It's something worth me actually making choices for me, actually making sacrifices for. And so that's where kind of vision gets divided, because if it's just a clear mental picture and it seems nice, but it's not that important to us, then seeing that vision come about, is not that important. But if it's a clear picture and we know that the the experience of our life is dependent upon that vision coming true and the good experience in life is connected to that, then then we're actually going to work for it. And so today we're going to be talking about this overarching vision that happens once you decide to follow Jesus Christ. And this vision is found again and again in the scripture, but we're going to look specifically at a person in history who experienced God, and from that experience, his vision became clearer than ever. And our hopes is that no matter where we are, we can learn some things from this vision that that he had in relationship to his life and God. Before that, though, there's some things that we all have, and that's maybe some fuzzy pictures of what our life is supposed to be. And if you're like me, you may have grown up at a young age, kind of having your dream career. Did any of you guys have that? Like, here's the dream that I would love for me to do when I'm older. It's like the perfect job for me. It was a pilot. I don't know if it was like my exposure to Top Gun at a young age, which that brings up another story of why I was watching that at a young age. But that's for another time. It was on TV. It was edited. okay? but pilot, that was like I wanted to be a pilot. It was a clear picture in my mind. My dad was in the Air Force, and I thought, you know, Air Force, that makes sense. Aim high, okay? Aim high, and I'll be a pilot. You can't get much higher than that. Had a clear picture. But I didn't really have conviction that that's what my life should be, because what I heard was, hey, you know, to be a pilot, you have to be good at math. In the split second, I decided I no longer wanted to be a pilot. It was clear. But the ability to do math was not that important to me. And my own deficiencies in knowing math caused me, like ah, I need a different vision. And so, you know, we do this at a young age. It's like what we kind of figure we're going to do and the family we're going to have and all these just pictures. We also have visions based on what people have told us that we can do. Either you're going to be this and you are going to achieve so much. Maybe a teacher said that. Maybe your parents said that. Because of who you are, you're going to be able to attain things that not everyone can attain. And you get this vision like your life can count for something. Or the opposite. And depending on our upbringing, some of us may have been told, uh, you may want to set your bar a little lower. You may not be able to do that. I don't know if that fits you. The vision you have doesn't really fit your ability to pull it off. But those things, whether for good or bad, they give us a sense of what we can count for. Our, our worth what we want to give ourselves to. So really, we're always working with an idea of vision. The problem is the vision is somewhat blurred. Whether it's not in reality based on who we are or it's vision that came from someone else, there's a sense in which we a lot of times lack a clear picture of what our lives can count for or we just don't really sense that that vision is important to us. And so so both are needed. So vision Is a clear mental picture of what what I want to accomplish in my life. And we all have that. That's what vision is. It's just a clear picture of what I want to accomplish in my life. You have one, I have one, and for most of us, it probably started at a young age. Based on what we saw, based on what we experienced, based on things that happened to us, we were creating this clear picture. What's success? What's the good life? What's fun? What's not fun? what's unsuccessful, what's bad. And so all the times we're gathering this info from what we see, whether that's the culture, whether that's the media, whether that's the people around us and all of us, we create these pictures. And before we know it, the picture that we have determines a lot of what we do in our life. And all of us, whether you're a Christ follower or not, we have a sense of we, we create these pictures. Godly vision, though, is a clear mental picture of of what God wants me to accomplish with my life. So you, you see the shift. It's not only have a clear picture of what I want it to be about, but I've actually allowed God and his will and his word to intersect with me. And not only do I have a clear mental picture, but now I want to know what his picture is and how does my picture of my life compare to his picture of what my life should be. And that's the difference between just vision and, and godly vision. But you know what? In our, in our culture and even in the media, many people want to get to our vision to motivate us to do certain things. I don't know if you've ever watched a commercial, but have you ever watched a commercial? And they're selling you something, but in the midst of them selling you something, you're like totally like pulled in to the message of the commercial. And before you know it, you can get emotional. Now, I'm like a typical feeler guy. I I feel things a lot. So sometimes I'm watching a commercial and I get a little like that kind of hit me a little Clydesdale trying to kick kick maybe not that one. But there's a sense in which sometimes the messages in the media and in commercials to sell something they They actually tap into the vision I have like a picture of what things could be. I want to show you this this Coke commercial and see if you can pick up on kind of this this picture that they want us to. Kind of relate to in life. Let's watch that. Show me love, show me love, show me love. That got to you just a little bit, right? No one likes you. There's no one like you. Just buy a six pack of Coke. Caps into your phone changes the message, right? Isn't that what they're saying? But there's something about that that's powerful. This idea of the world is what we make it. It's basically we, we have to decide what messages we listen to and what messages we don't. But all these are connected to our picture, the vision that we have for good or for bad. And so godly vision is trying to is really based on this idea of taking all that we have and all that we've been said, said about us and all the ideas that we have and, and determining like is what I have in myself and what I know about how life works. Is that enough? Is that enough to really figure out direction in life? And so what God wants to do, he wants to take us with all of our background and all of our experiences and all the things that we have, and he wants to actually unblur some things. He wants to take some of the static out. He wants to kind of tidy up the edges and and give us this picture. This is what your life can count for. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this series, learning what God wants from us and then rearranging our picture. To match, ultimately, what he wants. But for every vision that we have, whether it's major or minor, the most important part of any vision is ownership. And that is all that I'm going to do and can do to make things happen that need to happen. Again, it goes back to that original definition. Fueled by the things that we think should be. There's a conviction there. There's a sense in which... I'm going to do all I can to bring this about. This is something that is worth living for, even fighting for, even dying for. That's ultimate big vision. It's ownership. Here's the picture, and here's what I'm willing to do to see that come across, to see that happen. This brings up a point. Vision plus ownership actually gives us every day motivation in life. Because vision is clarity. So if we have kind of a clear idea of what we want to work for, that's good. But if we have ownership, now we realize that our life now has something that it lacked and that's purpose. And so godly vision is actually purpose giving. It gives us a purpose. It gives us a sense of there's something bigger than myself bigger than even my own concerns, bigger than even my own desires. There's something that God is doing that's outside of just me and my world and the universe that I've created. So when you actually realize that and your vision gets changed, once you enter in a relationship with God, then your ownership of it becomes different because now you see that you want to be a part of something that God is doing. And you're willing to sacrifice your resources, your time, to see that happen. And that's very motivating because you see that there's something beyond the here and now. There's something that God is, is doing that pulls us and calls us forward. I want to walk this through a, through a man that encountered God. And in, in, his, in his encounter with God, he, he actually had a, a different vision of life. And we talk a lot about this, this man a lot of from church He's called Paul or the Apostle Paul, and he was a a Jewish man that actually when he was in his like years of trying to build something, we talked about that in the 30s. When he was in his years of trying to build his life and making things count, he actually came against the cause of Christianity. He actually fought to squelch the church. He didn't like Christians. He persecuted Christians, and he was pretty content for actually just Christianity and everything that Jesus has stood for to just go away. And what happened was, is that that was his vision. But in the course of of persecuting Christians, in the course of going about his own vision, God intersected his life and actually encountered him and and said, you know, why, why do you persecute me? Why are you coming against my kingdom and the things from which I'm sending forth. Why why are you doing this? And right there, he realized that Paul's vision didn't actually match the vision that God had for him. And that began a point in which Paul had to actually decide, was he going to stay true to the things that he thought his life should count for? Or would he actually turn from his own way and decide he needed to adopt God's vision for his life? And what happened with Paul? couple thousand years ago is the same thing that happens now. We each have to choose which vision of our life we are going to hang on to. Which one are we going to display? Which one are we going to kind of keep our eyes on and and move towards for Paul? He decided that his vision of squelching this Christianity was actually the exact opposite thing that God wanted for him. And he decided, you know what, if I have to choose a side, I'm going to choose the side of the God of the universe. He has a little bit more power than me. He has a little bit more knowledge than me. And I better choose to side with him. And so he did. And there's a scripture in the book of Philippians, which describes basically how he got his vision for his life. And very very simply, his vision for his life went from persecuting Christianity. And he just wanted to be a religious man, but he wanted to kind of squelch Christianity. That was his vision. Two, knowing Christ and making him known. That was Paul's vision. Knowing Christ and making him known. He wanted to experience who God was through Jesus Christ. And he wanted to help others experience God through Jesus Christ. That's what he gave his life to. And so I want to walk through this passage where he is describing this. Because if you could imagine, if you've ever met somebody that has made some real changes in their life, are you curious about how that's happened? Maybe you've met somebody and... They 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 had a hard life and they made a lot of bad decisions, but you meet them again and there's a hope or there's like a purpose and they've they've turned things around. Well, begs the question, what caused you to turn things around? What caused you to stop making these choices that led to trouble to making other choices that actually benefited you? And so what was happening as Paul was gaining influence, as he was helping people get God's vision for their life as well. People kept thinking, is this? wait a second, is this the guy that was coming against the church? Wasn't this the guy that was a part of killing Christians? And you could imagine this vision that they were experiencing didn't match his reputation. So again and again in scripture, specifically in the New Testament, as Paul's writing his letters, he's always giving a context for how his life has changed. And I want to just walk through this passage and kind of unpack some pretty critical elements of how to take a vision and turn it into reality. But really, to get the vision, you actually have to take some steps, and that's, that's what we're going to talk about. But it begins with this idea of knowing Christ. That was his initial vision. I want to know Christ. Now, I know most of you, and you know me. In the English word, knowing is like, a variety of things. Uh, we could know them by their name. We could know them by their face. We could know them because we go to the same church. We could know them because we're in the same neighborhood. We go to the same school. variety of reasons how we know people. And there's different levels of how deep that relationship is. But if you know somebody because you've had direct experiences with them, maybe you've gone through a hard time and somebody you knew came alongside you And was there for you in that hard time, you know them differently, right? If you have experience with somebody, that level of knowledge of them and their, their level of knowledge of you is deeper than just an acquaintance. I know you, you know, me, you get what I'm saying. So when Paul's talking about knowing Christ, he's talking about this experience of knowing him. And that really comes from the definition of the word knowing, which I'll show here on the screen. I think it's up there. Knowing comes from the the word gnosis, the intelligent comprehension of an object or matter, whether this comes for the first time or comes afresh into the consideration of the one who grasps it. You came to know, to experience, to perceive or whether it is always already present. So you read that and you're like, oh, my goodness, I'm in I'm in school again. That's that's a dictionary uh, definition right there. But the idea there is this idea of grasping but what you're grasping at is an experience. It's something that you can hold on to. And so Paul is describing his life in the context of knowing Christ. Is more important than anything because I've experienced him. I know him in a personal way. It's not just knowledge and facts about him. It's actually I have seen him make a difference in the reality of my life. And that really is what Christianity is all about. It's really the call forward that we all get a chance to experience God and who he is. And once you've experienced something, you will hold strongly to that experience. Experience is one of the strongest factors that exists. If we experience something, we know it's true. If we experience something, we're very less likely to let go of that because it's so true to us because we've seen it. We felt it. We have experienced it. And that's what Paul's talking about. And so his his kind of writing and I'm giving you this this context because he's basically describing, hey, I know some of you guys are really confused about me and I know some of you guys aren't sure why I'm doing this based on the previous life that I've lived And that is like one of the greatest pictures about coming into a relationship with God. All of us have had a previous life and previous decisions and previous priorities. And what happens when we decide that we want to know Christ and experience him and live for him, we now go a different way. There's a a crossroads in which we, we just we change the direction. And so Paul's describing my direction has changed. My vision has changed. The picture I have and what my life should count for is different. And he describes it. And so here's how he he turned his vision into reality. I just want to walk through some key things in this passage found in Philippians. So he's writing to this this church in the Philippians. They they just been started. And just like Paul, they're trying to navigate. What does it mean to be a Christian? Where not a whole lot of Christians exist. What does it mean to follow Jesus Christ when many people didn't follow him? And so he's writing them to say, hey, you have to have the vision of your life in clear view. That's the only way it's going to work. And he walks through a few things. So I just want to walk through this and starts in Philippians three, seven through eight. It says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. So he's, he's describing all the things that he had accomplished on his own, all the things he had done, all the things he had said. And it begins with this idea, all that I have done and all that I've had and all I have in my basket of Paul accomplishments and the same for me, all I have in my Alex basket of accomplishment. You have in your basket of accomplishments, he says this, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. It, it, It doesn't count for anything. And then he says in verse eight, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord. So that knowing no that definition that I just the experience it doesn't count for anything compared to knowing and experiencing Christ Jesus my Lord and then see what he says next for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ so what he's describing is there's a clear picture of his vision and that was to know Christ and not only did that vision give him direction but it also shaped his priorities is paul giving a scale of what's important and what's not yeah he's saying this on this side is knowing Christ it is the most important thing anyone could do to know and experience Christ and then he says on this side Is everything else. So he's drawing a line. That's his vision. Knowing Christ is the most important thing. That anyone could ever live for. So really, this is a big vision for all of us. And that big vision, God wants us to fit into all the little different visions that we have in other areas of our life. So as we kind of think about what do I want my relationships to look like or what do I want my family to look like? It begs the question, well, it begins with this idea of how does that help or how is that defined or described by knowing Christ? Knowing Christ is the thing that should intervene and intersect with every aspect of our life. As we build our career and we have a vision for the route that we want to take. Do we go more school? Do we go entry level? Do we try to go management? Do I try to make as much money as I can? Do I try to live locally? Do I try to move internationally? All these things. I want to build this career. Paul would say, when every choice that you make in your career, how does it relate to you knowing Christ? I don't know about you, but that's not usually the number one thing I'm thinking about in every area of my life. There's knowing Christ. And it's a compartment. And then I have family life. And then I have my finances. And then I have my relationships. And then I have my decisions. And what Paul is saying is to be a Christian and really have the vision that God wants for you, that compartment that he's in of knowing Christ, that needs to be opened. And that needs to go into every other area. That's what Paul is describing. And then later on, he gives... A further description of what's next. So not only do you need a clear mental picture that determines your priorities, which is to know Christ. He then says you need to take ownership and do your part to make it happen. And he's describing this to this this new church in verse 12 and 13. He says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. Okay, anytime anyone says I'm not perfect, you're like, we get that. Yes. But what he's saying is, you know, I, I've not even begun to experience this vision yet. Knowing Christ, I feel like I'm still at the beginning of knowing him again. This is the man that is transforming the world by starting churches and helping people come to know Christ. And what he's saying is I've just on the tip of the iceberg. I, I experienced it a little, but there's so much more to experience. So he's just setting up how big God is. Even his experience of knowing Christ, it feels like it's just on the tip. So not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. Then he says this, but I press on to make it my own. What's he talking about? This vision. Knowing Christ. I press on to make it my own. I press on to make sure that knowing Christ is the theme and picture of my life. There will be no confusion. People will see me and know that that is true. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Doesn't that, too, speak of the experience? Jesus Christ has made me his own. This idea of he is now pursuing me. He is wanting a relationship with me. I belong to him. And then in verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. So again, he's saying, I I press on to make it my own. I press on to make sure that every aspect of my life is contingent on this idea of knowing Christ. But I haven't quite experienced it fully yet in every area. There's still things where knowing Christ isn't the most important. So he's just being honest. And then he goes on. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So here's the greatest part about vision As it relates to knowing Christ, godly vision is contingent upon the fact that it actually doesn't matter what you've done. I don't know if there's any more hope. Because any other vision that exists in life specifically related to career, you know, if you've not made certain choices by a certain age, your vision of a career is usually not going to happen because there's a lot of hoops that you have to jump through. You have to maybe do this training, you have to get this degree, you have to get this internship, you have to get this experience, and then you might be considered for this career. Or in family life, there's choices that we've made that, well, if you made those choices, you're not going to really be able to experience this because of the baggage that you have. And you're, you're told this a lot and you experience this in life. You feel it, the weight of choices. But what Paul's saying is if your vision is not to achieve something material, Or achieve some goal that you're told should be important. But if it is to actually know Christ, it doesn't matter how well you've done at this point. It actually doesn't matter how much you've messed up. Because Paul is explaining to the people, remember, I have a pretty checkered past. I came against what God wanted to do. But despite that, despite what I've done. I press on, forgetting what's behind and straining to what lies ahead. So you see this. He had a vision. It was clear. And then he had ownership. I needed to press on to it. I needed to not give up. And then third, he's explaining further. And this is, as I take action to fulfill the vision, I keep depending on God in faith. And this is in Philippians 3, 9. And be found in him. This is his goal. He wanted to be found in him. He wanted to belong to him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So it's the idea that knowing Christ is the vision. You have to press on to see that happen. You actually have to to make choices. So if knowing Christ is your vision, then tomorrow when you wake up, should there be a part of your day which involves getting to know Christ? And everybody said, yes. I will say yes if I hear somebody go, yeah, no. Right? Makes sense. If knowing Christ is the most important thing in my life, then tomorrow when I wake up, there has to be a part in which that actually happens. Right? You didn't actually have to say that, but I appreciate that. But you know what? That has to sink in because here's what happens. Most people would say, I want to know Christ. Yes, I do. That sounds like a cheerleader. (laughs) Spare everybody. Yes, I do. Something about, okay, I'm going to stop. But most would agree. I want to know Christ. If you're a Christian, I want to know Christ. But what begins to happen is we forget this idea of dependence on God. And this is where this vision and godly vision can become so confusing because sometimes Christians are the worst. And when I say Christians, I'm talking about me. Sometimes we are the worst at trying to know Christ. Without Christ being in the picture. We just try to earn it. We try to be good enough. And oftentimes the vision we have is based on our own strength. All the things that we need to say and do right. All the things that we need to make sure we're doing. So people are pleased and we're on the right track. It's based on this righteousness that comes from the law. That's what Paul's saying. You can't do that. You have to depend on him. He is the strength. So the picture is tomorrow. If you want knowing Christ to be the most important thing in your life, you actually have to ask God, God, Help me to take the time to spend with you. Help me to get up out of my bed. Because I really want to sleep. Help me to pray sometime during the day so I can kind of be thinking about you. But this really is this idea of you have to bring God into your world. Godly vision is connected to the relationship with God himself. And that's what Paul's describing as the experience. The only way to know Christ is you actually have to experience him in your life. And that comes from knowing him and making choices to do that, which includes reading the Bible. That includes communicating with him in prayer. Here's the things that I'm going on in my life and I'm, I'm, I'm stressed out about. I'm concerned about. I'm worried about. And part of knowing Christ is you pray and you let him in to all these things that are going on in your head. And you ask him for help. If you've ever asked somebody for help and they have helped you, do you have a, a different relationship with that person? Have you ever been in a pinch with something? Like maybe your car broke down. And if you called somebody and they have come alongside the freeway of our Southern California, of Southern California freeways. And you know, your life... Is in your own hands because you're just seeing cars go by and you, you may not know how to change a tire. And somebody comes to your help, and it may be three letters, it may be AAA. But even when the AAA guy comes, there's an experience. Like, thank you. There's an experience. In AAA, they want you to have that experience, so you pay the seventy-eight dollars that comes every year, right? I just got the bill, that's why I know that. All... <laughs> if yours is cheaper, talk to me after. Um, Right. But there's a sense in which when people come through. It becomes real. And that's what Paul's describing. The experience of knowing him actually feeds us wanting to get to know him more. So it begins with that first, God, I don't know what it's like to experience you. In fact, I don't know if I've ever had an experience with you. But once you have that initial experience. It feeds it feeds and, and it grows and that's how you get to know God. And that's what Paul's describing. Then in verse or not in verse, but in the, the passage he goes on, he says this in Philippians 3:10 through 11, he's describing this process of you have to keep dying to yourself. And that's kind of what I just described. That's a daily choice. And he says this, Philippians 3:10 through 11, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So it's this picture he's giving this, this idea of death, life, and the resurrection. What well, Paul's describing is just like that happened to Christ himself. He died but was resurrected on our behalf. He took the sin upon himself, died but he raised from the dead. is showing there's a sense in which God will act. He will fulfill his purpose. But it comes as we say no to ourselves and say yes to him. This is a daily choice. It's a daily choice every time we wake up. Help me to say no to myself and the things that I really want and actually say yes to you and getting to know you and just determining what, what you really want. And then in this whole passage, he kind of, Closes this idea. So he's given us a lot to work with. Clear picture. Taking ownership. Changing our priorities. Not relying on ourself. Not being caught in the past. And then he goes on. You have to press forward in the face of adversity. So Paul's vision for his life was to know Christ. And part of that was and to make him known. So not only do I want to experience God. But I want to make sure other people can experience him as well. And this is what he gave his life to. And he actually lost his life for this vision. But in this verse, in verse 14, he gives this further challenge to all of us. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The greatest vision is the upward call of God. It's a sense of doing. What God has called you to do. And as Christ's followers, the same that was true for Paul is true for us, knowing Christ and making him known. Paul at the time did this to the Roman Empire. He was spreading Christianity and starting churches in the middle of the Roman Empire who had no real inkling to want to turn to the God of the Bible. They were pretty powerful, they were self sufficient. And why would they need God? But in the face of this adversity, he, he moved forward. In the beginning of his ministry, he had this vision. I want, to make, I want to know Christ and make him known. And he was in this situation in the city of Lystra to spread the good news. And so this was the beginning. Okay, God, I want to know you and I want to make you known. That's going to start by sharing my faith. So they were carrying out their ministry in tremendous opposition and persecution in the middle of this Roman Empire. He healed a man. He was sharing the gospel. And then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came. They came to Lystra and they were like, wait a second. We hear of what this guy Paul's doing. He was on our side and now he seems like he's, he's working for these Christians. And they're coming against what we're trying to do. We're trying to kind of squelch this movement. We, want, we don't want to see it expand. So they actually persecuted him, drugged him out, stoned him and left him for dead. This was at the beginning of his ministry. Many things happened that he did after this. What Paul's describing is if you make it your goal to actually know Christ and to make him known, all the things that get in your way, and for Paul it was extreme. It was near death. For us, it could just be a mix of priorities. It could be our attention on other things. It could be just dealing with the past that that we've had. It could be fear of the future. It could be all these things. What Paul's saying is Despite the adversity you face, you have to decide once and for all that knowing Christ and making him known has to be the most important. So for the rest of this series, we're going to talk about how does this translate into all the different areas of our life. So with with my finances and with ministry, how I want to help people. In my relationships, how does this backdrop and what Paul described to us, how does that actually make a difference? How do I take this vision that God has? And turn that into reality in all the different parts of my life. And so as the band comes up, I'm going to wrap up, but I I just want to encourage you to to think about your own vision. And nobody can write that for you or create that picture for you. What is your own vision for your life, that if you were to die and you didn't see it happen, what would you be disappointed about? So that might be just a good next step. Think about your, your own vision. Another thing you could do is read this passage and on the back of your connection card, there's some next steps that Barry had you fill out. So if you could pull that out and finish f- uh, filling that out, in a moment we're going to receive our offer, you, you just drop that in there. But there's some next steps that you can take. So the first thing is you may just want to think about your own, your own vision. What's your own picture that you have? And then the second thing is maybe you want to read the passage that, that I read and you yourself just ask God, what can I learn from seeing what, what Paul did and just set some time aside to do that? So I encourage you start with your own vision, your own picture. And then over the next few weeks, that will really help to have in your mind as we continue to talk about this. Let's pray. God, we we do thank you for the fact that you can be known and experienced and despite the things that we've done, you actually are always calling us forward to meet with you and to really turn from going our own way and from our own vision and to really turning your way and getting your vision for us. And so I pray by your power that none of us will think we can't change. And I, I pray for if there's anybody here that's not decided yet to turn their life over to you. God, in, in their hearts, will you really draw them to yourself, soften them? Allow them to be willing to ask the question of what difference could you make? And so, God, I pray that you'll help us to take the vision that we have And actually translate it into our experiences so that we may actually know you more. So we need your help to do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.